let's go ahead and jump into our, our, our message this morning. We're, we're in week two of our Conquerors uh, series that I'm very excited about. We, our, kind of our main text has been Romans 837. Uh, this has been the text that we've kind of focused in on and then we've kind of branched out into a, more of a, a centralized idea and thought that we've been looking at through this series. And, and our text this morning is, is, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have the ability to conquer because of what Jesus is doing in us and through us. But the problem is, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is we don't usually walk in that victory. We don't usually walk in that authority that God has given us, and that's what God is wanting to do. Now, I believe that, that throughout this series, like we talked about last week, this is not just for us as individuals, even though I believe that's a big part of what this series is, but it's also this idea of what's happening here in our church. And so each week we're going to be talking about something that, that I believe God has laid on my heart for us to conquer as, as a family, as a church, but also as individuals. And this morning we're going to talk about conquering the spirit of defeat. Conquering the spirit of defeat. Let's pray. Father, I need you right now. Father, I, I've got to have your help to communicate in the way that you need me to communicate. Father, I need my words to stop and yours to begin so that, that lives can be changed. Father, I pray as we look at these things that you would open our hearts, that the spirit of God would just come in and just illuminate things in our heart and our life that you need to deal with in our lives as individuals and our life as a church. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Numbers this morning. We're going to be in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. We're going to be looking at some, some texts throughout that story, but uh, basically I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit of the story and then we'll use the text where it kind of fits in. But in this part of the story uh, of the Israelites, they are, they are just about ready to enter into the promised land. They're, they've been kind of wandering a little bit and God has been kind of taking them from Egypt around to Sinai and all these things. It's been about a year or so since they left Egypt and now they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. So, But before they go, in Numbers 13, we see this. It says, Then the Lord now says to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Israelites send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So basically God says, oh, I want you to take these people out and go and, and kind of spy out the land. This is the story of the 12 spies. So they go into the promised land, they begin to look around and they find amazing things. They find grapes that are so big that they have to put them on a pole and carry them. They find, basically find exactly what God said was there, a land filled and flowing with milk and honey. And so they, they, they see pomegranates and figs and all these beautiful, wonderful things that are there in the promised land. Places for the, the cattle to graze and all these wonderful things. So they come back and basically where we pick up the story is they're about ready to give their report of what they found. So in Numbers 13 and verse number 25, that's where we are. And it says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. To Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kedrish in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit from the, from, uh, that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. So they, they're all back and now they're ready to report. They're, Moses is there, Aaron is there, but more importantly, everybody is there. The whole the community of Israel is there waiting to hear the report of the 12 spies. And this is what they said. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. 
a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's an important thing to remember, okay? God calls the promised land a land flowing with milk and honey all the way back in Exodus, okay? So they, they've understood that these are words from God that God has showed them about the promised land. So they're saying, indeed it is, meaning I, we're agreeing, we, we see what God has promised us, and it is actually true, okay? He says, here's the kind of fruit it produces, and they're showing off the fruit. And then we see in verse 28 something that comes out in most of our lives at times and we always have to guard against it because this is the first step on that spirit of defeat that we tend to get into and it's the but. It's the however. It's the nevertheless kind of response that we have. They've just expressed the fact that everything they've seen has proven the promise of God. Everything that they've experienced has shown them that God is exactly doing what God said he was going to do. And then all of a sudden, the 12 spies, or we'll find out in a second, more like 10, there's a but. There's a but that comes in. And here it is in verse 28. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Achan. The Amalekites live in Nivegiv, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and on along the Jordan Valley. So, so in this, this portion of the scripture, basically we start to see their report. We begin to see them saying, okay, well, yeah, this is all great. Yeah, God's there, and, and, and look at all these things, but, but, and that becomes a problem. Because all of a sudden, there's a but. But Caleb... Continuing on in verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. We can certainly conquer it. Then in verse 31. But the other men, the ten, who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up there against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Achan. Next to them, we feel like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. That's what they thought too. This is their report. Let's continue in chapter 14. Let's see the response of the people. Then the whole community began to weep aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to a country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. The spirit of defeat. Listen, I don't know if you ever played sports growing up. I don't know if you ever uh, have experienced that. Maybe, maybe you did something else or a com- type of a competition. But there's something you've got to understand about that. Okay, If you don't, if you haven't, trust me on this. There is something about believing that you can win to win. There is something about, I played baseball growing up my whole life. And listen, I promise you, anytime I went to the plate with the thought that I was going to strike out, I normally did. 
when I went up there with that type of attitude, when I went up there timid, when I went up there with the thought that I was not going to be able to accomplish what I thought I could accomplish, I would fail every single time. And the problem is, is we have that type of spirit sometimes that begins to permeate in our world as individuals and as our world as a church. We begin to look at things and God has promised things, but we begin to look around and we begin to see things and that spirit of defeat can kind of just begin to soak in and begin to affect things and begin to become problems in our areas, in our world, and in our churches. And there's some symptoms that we need to talk about. There's some symptoms here that I want to talk about with you to look at this because we need to understand first and foremost what this spirit of defeat is. And we see it on full display in numbers as the Israelites are getting ready to go and conquer a land that God promised them. So let's look at these together in our notes. The symptoms of spiritual defeat. Number one, the first thing, it is a potent combination of truth, lies, and exaggeration. Truth, lies, and exaggeration. I've heard it once said, the best lies have some truth in them. The best lies have some truth in them. Listen, I'll tell you one thing about me, and if you haven't noticed this, it's something I'm still working on, but you know what? I'm actually a pretty good liar. I think most of us are, you know, it's funny, we don't, we, we uh, with Easton, you know, he's six years old, and he's great, and we love him, but, but he's, he's still working out, God's still working in him, but you know what I found about Easton, he's like his father, he's a very good liar, he has this ability, just, just magically, to be able to tell a whopper when he needs to, and that's kind of what we see here. In Numbers 13, 31, this is what it says. is, But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. Now here it is. We've got to check this out. Here we'll find the truth. We'll find the lie. And we'll find the exaggeration. He says, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Hey, that's truth. These people were strong. These people were giants. These people were big guys. There is truth there. The thing is, here's what we have to understand about the spirit of defeat. You can't do it without God. We can't do it without God. You're right, the enemy is strong. So there is some truth there. Next. So they spread this bad report among the land, among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes there to live. That's a lie. That's a lie. The land's going to devour them? No, that's not true. They're not going to go in there and get devoured. But it's a lie. And then this is what I love. He says, we even saw giants there. A little bit of truth. Their descendants, a little bit of truth. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they saw too. And what's interesting is right before that, it says this. All the people we saw there were huge. Do you see the exaggeration? All the people. Every single one of them, 6'4". No. No. See the exaggeration there? See how it kind of be like, you know, you, know, you, ever, you ever done that? Remember when they, we used to take tests, okay? And they used to say, listen, if you see a true or false thing, if you always see all or always or, or never, what's it usually? False. That's exaggeration. They said, all the people there are huge. No, 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 no. See, that's the thing we have to understand. Sometimes the spirit of defeat can come as very intellectual, as very smart, as very pious, as very prudent. It's like, oh, well, well, we, we can't, God can't do that here because blah, 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 blah. 
We are unable to do that because of blah, 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 blah. And a lot of times what it is in our lives as well is it's that idea that there's some truth there. There is some truth, but there's also lies there and there's exaggeration. And it's something that we have to focus in on. Because unfortunately what we do at times is we miss that. We miss that. Next, it can infect an entire body of people very quickly. Very quickly. Look at Numbers 13, 32. It says, so they spread this bad report about the, land, uh, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. All the people we saw there were huge. And then jump over to Numbers 14. It says, then the whole community began to weep aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to die in battle? Our wives and our little ones we carried off. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader. Listen, listen, we are getting ready. And I, I know we're kind of already starting to get there, but we're getting ready to get into flu season. We're getting in, ready to get into the sickness season, you know. And, and, and one of the things that's so uh, interesting about that is, is we as, as adults, because we're just so smart, is we take a bunch of children who are very susceptible to being sick, and we throw them all in a very small classroom for, for hours at a time, and then they, for some reason, come home sick. Yeah, I figured that out. I can't, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, it's like, I can't understand why my, my son is now coughing all over the place because everyone in his classroom already is. You know, these things can travel, and they can travel fast. These things infect people. It's amazing that you think here, listen, I don't remember off the top of my head how many hundreds of thousands of people are in this whole community of of, of Israel. But it's interesting here that ten voices cause a whole community to weep all night long. Folks, we've talked about this before. I've harped on it. I know your words are powerful. And they affect they affect things in the physical. They, ex- they affect things in the supernatural. They affect things that go on in your home and in your life and in this church. And it'll happen so fast. It can happen so fast. And it can change so many things. And we have to guard against it. Because when we begin to talk, when we begin to do those things, we think it's innocent. We think it's no big deal. It's, well, it's just that or just this. But you know what? It can affect people. Next, this is important. You check this out. It shows that a people believe what man sees and says over the promises of God. Sees and says over the promises of God. Look at Numbers again. It says, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This is what is their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed it's a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and, and, and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Ankin. Next to them, we feel like grasshoppers. And this is interesting here. I never noticed this before. And that's what they thought too. I've read this story before. I, I always, oh yeah, we're grasshoppers. But it's interesting here. It's the enemy agrees with them. And they go along with the enemy. God said, I'm going to give you this land. God promised this all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what? They have this promise. And here's what's beautiful about what God does. 
Okay? And we have to realize this. They just said it's everything God promised. It's land flowing in milk and honey. It's everything God said. But, but, we can't. Why couldn't they? Why didn't the assembly say, hey, wait a minute, ten guys. Listen, this is what God promised. This is what God's going to do. So it doesn't matter what you saw. It doesn't matter what they said. All that matters is the promise of God. But they don't do that. What they tend to do, and honestly, let's be honest, what we tend to do is we go by what we see and what people say. And here's what's crazy about that. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about the mirrors. We listen to the enemy above what God says to us. Think about that for a second, folks. We will believe the king and the father of lies above what our heavenly father says who can only speak truth. Well, you know... You know, I, I, can't, I can't share Jesus with that individual because, well, they may look at me funny or, 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 or I, I don't believe that God's going to make a difference in, in, in my, 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 my wife's life because, well, well you, know, you know, she's this or that. Or I don't believe that God's going to be able to bless this place. Well, we don't have parking. Yeah, those things, yeah, there's a lot of truth in those things. But listen, we talked about this, and it's kind of funny how God is bringing all these things over the last several weeks, all, actually last couple of months, all together. We don't go by what we see. We go by what we've been promised. Because sometimes what we see and what people say go against the promises of God. And when they do, we take what we see and we take what people say and we say, thank you so much for your opinion. Thank you so much for your comment. But you know what? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to believe in that because my God has spoken. My God has promised. And I will stand on his truth and stand on the word of God that says he's got us. He will love us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And we have a future and a promise because of what he he has said over us and spoken over us, not what the enemy has said. Thank you, Father. And this is important. The spirit of defeat will ultimately lead to rebellion and death. Look at Numbers 14. In Numbers 14, later in the chapter, we kind of see the, the end of, not the end of the story, but the end of this section of the story. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long? Must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Now, I want you to check that out here, okay? The spirit of defeat, okay? And, and this is something we all need to understand. Me, you, all of us. The spirit of defeat is not a, a, a complaint against a, a person or a pastor or a boss or a husband or a wife or kids. It is literally here. We see here it is a complaint against God. Okay? So why, how long must I put up with these complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints Israelites are making against me. Against me. The spirit of defeat is an attitude of defeat because basically what you're doing is you're telling God he is not capable to do what he promised to do. 
Now tell them this, God speaking here. As sure as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was not included in the registration will, and was included in the registration, will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. And let's go on, Michelle, to the next one. Then the 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land. Now remember, Caleb and Joshua, they, they argue. They say, no, 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 we can do this. We can take the land. We can uh, grab a hold of the promise of God. But the 10 men that didn't, the ones who incited, now this is important here, rebellion. Rebellion against the Lord. Okay? We, we see here some very strong words. We see here that God understands how important the spirit of defeat is and how it can affect the things that God wants to do. Okay? rebelled against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the twelve who explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Listen, hear me here, okay? I've seen it over and over and over again, sometimes in my life and in the lives of others and the people I love, is this spirit of defeat always eventually brings death. It may bring death to your dreams. It may bring death to your, the promises that God has given you. It may bring death to a church. But death will always be the result. How do we know that? Quite simply, the wages of sin are death. And this rebellion and this, this pride that says, God, I know better than you. And God, you can't do it. This lack of faith. When honestly, when it really boils down to it, it's nothing more than just sin. The spirit of defeat is a sin nature that God wants to eradicate in us and through us. So next, let's look at this. Let's conquer the spirit of defeat. We're going to jump to Hebrews here, okay? But we're going to look in Hebrews and we're going to see some things to help us conquer this. First, we hear his voice and believe what he says. These are simple, these are easy, but these are important that we check out because I think that we sometimes miss these things. Look at Hebrews 3, 7. It says this, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice. Listen, we've got to hear what God says, believe what he says, and do what God says. Simple, easy, so hard to do, but we got to make that change in our lives. We hear God's voice, we obey it. But you say, but Aaron, that doesn't make any sense. Aaron, I, I don't understand. Aaron, Aaron, that just doesn't make sense to me. Listen, remember we talked about it last week. God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't see further out. We don't, listen, listen, you don't even know what you're going to have for lunch today. You go, yes, I do, Aaron. We're going to go to this restaurant and I always get the same thing and all those things. I'm going, yeah, okay, great. And what happens if you go outside and your car's got four flat tires? You don't know. I'm tired. I'm going to lunch. You're on your own. I'm teasing. Well, yeah. But you get what I'm saying? We don't know. You may have your plans, but that's not a for sure thing. But we know when God speaks, when God has shown us things, we believe it. Next, and this is so important, don't harden your heart. Look at Hebrews 3, 8a. It says this, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. It's interesting here. The writer of Hebrews goes back to the heart. Now, what hardens our heart? A lot of things. Experiences, hearts, confusion, pain. The spirit of defeat can come in so many different ways. But really, when you really start to boil it down, it's a heart issue. It's something that we allow to have happen inside of us because of the things we've experienced. So don't harden your heart. You have to guard your heart, as Jesus said. Above all, guard your heart. 
And when you begin to see it become hard, and when you begin to see it becoming hardened, we need to let the, the master potter come and begin to work it again and heal it again and begin to do something amazing in it. Next, encourage one another daily. Look at Hebrews 3, 12. It says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as to long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what's beautiful about this. Just like the spirit of defeat can infect a people and defeat a people and confuse a people and hurt a people, encouragement can change everything. When we look at each other and say, Hey, listen, it may not seem like it right now, but God has a plan. It may be hurt right now, but God has a, a destiny for us. When we begin to understand that, encourage one another, it can change everything. Instead of being a spirit of defeat, we can be a spirit of victory and a spirit of encouragement to each other. Listen, this says daily. Simple question. Who did you encourage yesterday? Can you name them? Can you think of one person in the last week that you encouraged with the things of God? That you looked at and said, hey, I know it's hard right now. Hey, I know it's difficult right now. But God's got a plan. God's got you. God's got us. And we're going to make it. Or do we focus on what we see? You see, one of the things that's so important about being a family and being a body of believers is taking that time to love on one another and comfort one another and encourage one another. To put your arms around each other. Listen, hear me here. If you think that's just my job, okay, then you are deceived by the enemy. Period. We are to care and love for each other. To put our arms around. It's not, is that my job? Yeah, it's my job, but it's your job too. It's all of us working together to do that. To encourage, it doesn't say, but encourage one another daily as long as you're in the ministry. As long as you are been a Christian for 25 years or more. As long as you've been a Christian for 25 years or less. He says all of us. We're all to do this. When was the last time that we looked at each other? And let's get personal for a second. In this place and in this church and remind each other about the promises of God that God has for this place. Something we have to remember. Because the opposite of that can really cause issues. And the final thing, and this is important, we allow God to change our attitude and our heart. Okay? Our attitude and our heart. Listen in Numbers. This is, this is important. In Numbers 14, we're jumping back now to Numbers. This is God speaking. And this is a very powerful statement that he makes about Caleb. Says because he's talking about what's going to happen to the ones that caused all this, that have, that, have, that have let the spirit of defeat affect them and the entire body. And this is what it says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. His attitude and his heart were different. His attitude was different. He was able to see something different. I want you to remember this. And maybe, you know, sometimes I say this, sometimes I don't, you know, but, but maybe this is the one thing I think that we need to remember. Joshua and Caleb and the ten others. 
they saw the same land. They saw the same fruit. They, say, they saw the same people. They saw the same walls. They saw the same enemy. They all saw the same thing. But two of them looked at it and said, that is nothing for our God. Two of them saw it because their hearts were allowed and were different. Their attitude was different than those around them. They said, yeah, yeah, the enemy's strong. Yeah, they got walls. But that's nothing for our God. Our God has promised. Our God has said this will be the case. Our God has made this promise to our ancestors. He's made it to us. These promises are true. They are yes and amen. Let's go and let's go take what's ours. But they saw the same thing. Let me ask you a question. We're all here. We're all looking around. We're all seeing somewhat the same thing. Do you have a spirit of victory and promise? Or the spirit of defeat? Do you believe that God is going to accomplish what God promised in your life? Or do you walk around with an attitude that says, God can't, God won't, and I'm stuck? What's our attitude? Because if our attitude is like the ten, what's beautiful is God wants to change it. God wants to work in it. God wants to change it because God has a great plan. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But as we do, I want to encourage you to know that God's promises are still true. No matter how we face things, no matter how we go through things, whether we're at this point allowing a spirit of defeat to, to, to come and be a part or we're, we're walking in the victory that's already ours, regardless, God has a plan and God is going to do what God promised he was going Going to do. Look at Deuteronomy 9. In Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 3, it's a very important verse, and this is what it says. It says, listen, O Israel. Now, this is important. The ones that had doubted, the ones that had that spirit of the feet, they're dead. They're gone. Who's left? Their kids are left. They're left. And this is what God says, or this is what Moses says to the people. He says, listen, O Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. Okay? Hey, hey, listen, we're not asking, God's not asking for us to, to live in la-la land. Okay? He's not saying we walk around like, la-la-la-la-la-la-la, everything is great, everything is wonderful, la-la-la-la-la. God's not asking us to do that. It's okay to be honest with, with the struggles and the things that we're dealing with. But look at this. This is interesting. He says, he says, it's more powerful. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Descendants of the famous Ankenan giants. And the verse number three. You heard the say, who can stand up to these guys? I mean, these are big guys. But recognize today. I love that. Because sometimes we don't recognize what God's doing in our midst because we have that spirit of defeat. We have that feeling like God can't because we won't recognize that God still has a plan and that God is going to work his hand, plan. But this is what it says. But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as the Lord promised. Just as the Lord promised. I love that. 
You see, folks, what we have to understand, and you've probably heard me say this before, but it's so important that you kind of catch this. No matter what we face, we win. Sometimes it's hard. And I know sometimes it feels like the enemy, he's just got his thumb, and he's just doing that to your head, and he's just driving you down. Folks, we win. That spirit of defeat will kill us and kill you. But we win. And you go, but it's so hard. It's so difficult. I know, I know, I know. It is hard. But we win. We know we win. We don't have to walk around with a spirit of defeat anymore. Because all it is doing in our lives and in this church is bringing forth death. And one thing we need to understand is death is lost, folks. Death is lost. 1 Corinthians 15. Such an unbelievable scripture. It says, but this, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. When that trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying body must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, but that means promise hasn't been fully fulfilled quite yet in us. We still have that promise, though. It says, but when that happens, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he's given us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and unmovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We win. It's like, it's like going home today, and you're going to watch whoever, whatever team you root for, the Avs or the Broncos or whoever it is, and, and, and you just walk into your house and you got it sitting on the DVR and you're waiting. And you walk in and somebody ruined it for you. And they have this big thing that says, we win! You know, it's, it's so much easier to watch the games when you know they win. Because when they mess up and they don't go well, it's okay. He throws the interception. The other team scores the goal. It's all right. In the end, we win! We don't walk around like that. We walk around defeated and with a spirit of defeat because we're not convinced that God is going to help us win. Folks, hear me. Understand this. Know the promises of God. In the end, we win. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a couple minutes and we're going to begin to pray that God in us in this church, in our families, in our homes, that God will help us defeat the spirit of defeat. <laughs> that God will come. We are more than conquerors. And it's time we conquer this. We don't have to wait till we're dead and gone to experience the victory that God has for us. We talked about it last week. We don't fight for victory. We fight 
from victory. It's already been won. And it's just time we started acting like that. So as we are here together, we're going to spend a couple of moments. I need you to pray with me. Because this is not just a personal issue as far as in our lives, even though for some of us it is. But this is a church-wide issue. And I believe it's not just here, even though I do believe it's here. I believe it is a Christendom issue. The church is walking around in defeat when the victory is ours. And we need to start acting like it. We need to walk with the assurance that the promises of God are yes and amen. And start living that way. So I need you. Let's pray together, all right? So, Father, we come to you right now. And, Father, we lift up our, our, our spirit of defeat to you. And we say, God, we know this is not what you have for us. Father, we know that you've already won. But sometimes there's this disconnect between our minds and our hearts and our actions. And so, Father, what we need right now is for you to come and you to bind up that enemy, that spirit of defeat. And in the name of Jesus, we command it to go. He has no place here. He has no authority here because all praise and all honor and all authority is given to Jesus. And so we claim that. We claim that authority in our lives and we claim it in this church. We will no longer be agents of the enemy. We'll no longer listen to the lies of the enemy. But instead, we will walk around with the confidence that comes from knowing that our God can take care of any situation, any circumstance. And we'll walk in that authority. And we'll walk in that confidence knowing that our God has us. No matter what we face, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the bank statement says, no matter how many people are here or not here, makes no difference in the end. Because in the end, God's promises are yes and they're amen. And we claim them this morning. We claim them in this church. We claim them in our lives. Because you are good. You are good. And we stand on those things. We love you and we thank you. For you are mighty and strong. You will go before us and take care of those things. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Let's all.